Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at longhorn pod on twitter facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who's seen the lhn truck burn down twice this weekend kyle carpenter kyle how are you uh, gerald i mean obviously when uh, texas sports are this hot i mean trucks trucks will burn right uh <laughs> the, the, we we're recording this on a sunday and uh this was a, a wild sunday uh we'll talk about uh, national championships we'll talk about uh tense closing elimination games um there's some good stuff going on all over this weekend uh and yeah i mean i think i think coach uh, coach uh uh, Blair Schaefer had said it on, uh, tweeted about it uh, when the unfortunate item happened where there actually was a fire that really happened in, in the Longhorn truck said it's, it is probably because all UT sports are on fire, which again, everyone's okay so we can make jokes. Also, huge shout outs to friend of the podcast, I think we can safely call, yeah. uh, Be- Becca Rushworth for getting down and in, in live streaming on Instagram the final two innings uh, of, of Texas baseball. So some, some good good folks at Longhorn Network. First of all, incredible core and lower body strength to be able to squat the way she was <laughs> to get that. And yeah, Becca's, Becca's a, like, just an actual friend of mine. But yeah, like shouts to her for being just an absolute team player and getting that done. It would have been hilarious if, if Melendez broke the home run record on Instagram Live. Like, that would have just been uh, very, very funny to me in, in, a, in a very fun way. But we're not here to talk about Instagram Live. We're here to talk some live results texas it's late on sunday we're recording a little early i'm traveling for work this week so we're going to do a monday show and then we'll be back next week on our normal tuesday thursday cadence we'll have some fun stuff for you then but we're recording extra late because um the texas sports are burning the midnight oil and we'll start off the top with another national championship kyle if you're paying attention to Twitter or you're living under a rock, if you're the type of person that listens to this specific podcast, you know what's going on. But Texas women's tennis put themselves on top of the world yet again. Back-to-back national outdoor championships. Getting a little bit of a measure of revenge over the Oklahoma Sooners who beat them in the indoor national championship earlier this year. Now, our friend Brett, uh, Brett Wilkerson, who helps us out with our uh, Director's Cup updates. Uh, I messed up the math last week and you DM'd me to say, yes, you did mess that up. And I apologize to him profusely. But it's easy to know what this math is. Texas sits atop of the tennis world thanks to the efforts of some young guns on the hard surface this weekend. Yeah, I mean, really, like, really incredible to think that when they did it last year, there was a couple... Uh, players who aren't on this team again and said, well, they're still they're really, really young with what they have coming back. Um, so we'll see what this team can be. And I think some credit goes to Coach Joffe, who in year seven right now looks, you know, pretty squarely to be the best coach in the country. Again, beating OU is one way to treat a rival, but but taking Joffe from A&M is another. Um, it, just love it. Uh, but uh, th- th- this was an incredible performance from pretty much top to bottom. I mean, I think in, in this 
entire championship run, you saw wins on you know court three, four, five uh, that that were as big um, as anything at the top. But at the top, obviously, Peyton Stearns just continues to be an absolute legend. Um, I mean, legitimately, just just a, a rock taking on the toughest opponents all year and i think she finished 28 and 2 in singles play just just stellar unbelievable uh player of the year kind of numbers so um yeah i mean this this ou match we played them four times and uh lost the first two and won the second two that mattered to get the uh, the conference championship as well as the ncaa championship so uh you know OU, you you won some but not the ones that mattered winning a national championship is absolutely sweet getting to dunk on the sooners Makes it even better. It's just it's just a beautiful thing. So Texas won the doubles point off of the efforts of Kylie Collins and Charlotte Chavitapone and Sabrina Zenyalova and Bella Zamparia. Uh, Texas was up in the third one as well. The the partnership of Peyton Stearns and Alora Z- Zamaripa. Uh, you'll hear that name come up a little bit later. But uh, Texas. It was it was interesting. It was dicey. I was watching the live stats and feeling a little bit nervous. But uh, Emma Staker of, of the Sooners was actually the first one to finish out the gate. She tied it up, but then Peyton Stearns fired back a few moments later and, and put Texas up 2-1. Zenulova came out on top on a 7-6 tiebreaker to give Texas that 3-1 lead. Uh, she actually fell behind and had to... Uh, catch back up and then like i said the young gun freshman allura zamaripa won the first set seven six so again uh, and then the second one goes to tiebreakers as well and sealed the deal that's actually the third consecutive day all three days of the women's tournament that she clinched the winner for texas yeah that's awesome uh if you, there was a, a netflix show master of none where uh the, the the Aziz uh, catchphrase was Alora after he went to Italy, and I feel like she deserves a very hearty Alora uh, <laughs> for your and all our Italian listeners. I'm sure clapping for uh, an incredible performance again. A freshman, we're talking about freshman, sophomore, young players. This team is is good and going to be good again next year, which is which is awesome. It just is exciting. This team got really hot at the end, won 19 of the last 20, including obviously all the way through the postseason. Um, just just a just a really like gutsy, strong performance, top to bottom. I mean, this team just uh, exciting and, and certainly make you proud. That that is truly Texas fight. One of my favorite parts of um, the the day and watching this in social media uh, was President Jay Hartzell compared. He said, uh, "Feeding uh, fe- feeding Peyton Stern's forehand is the same thing as pitching to Ivan Melendez." Which I love that tweet on so many levels that our university president is like in <laughs> tune enough with the sports teams that he can make that very adept uh comparison i just i don't know it's it's been fun this has been a really fun season and race to the top so it's the 60th overall national championship for them uh fourth in tennis and again back-to-back wins for them but it wasn't an easy run for them they had to go through number five uva and then upset number one unc in the final four four to two again just an absolute gutty gutsy performance from these ladies as they brought home yet another title to the hall of champions Kyle, you can't close the season out undefeated without closing out the regular season undefeated. Texas swept Kansas to go 5-0 and to close out the regular season, putting themselves in position, hopefully, to win themselves into hosting right now. Currently, I think most projections have them as the two seed in College Station, which would absolutely not be great for my heart or whatever internet conversation happens later. But 12-4 to on Thursday, 8-1 to 
on Friday, and then 11 to 6 on what we're calling Super D Duper Senior Night because you got some sixth and seventh year guys uh, on that senior lineup. But Texas looked good uh, offensively and pitching. I say uh, pitching with the caveat of Saturday was a little dicey, but thankfully the bats uh, decided to complete the sweep and keep uh, the hope alive of Texas playing its way into better tournament seating. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. Um, the the Saturday, excuse me, the Friday game, the second game, Lucas Gordon looked like. You think back to he lost UCLA game. He hasn't lost since. He's really slid into Texas' second best, and you can see him being their ace next year. Um, he, he's got some good stuff. His changeup looks great. He can strike guys out pretty regularly. Like He, he does some really good stuff, um, a lot like a Pete Hansen. Honestly, it's like having a Pete and Pete. <laughs> Pete Jr., maybe. He's a bit smaller. But uh, but no, I mean, it, it's really great. Big Pete, little Pete. It's Well, I mean, look, man, It's I, I would take another year of a Pete Hansen type at the top if that's what, what Gordon's going to give us next year. Hansen got the, the, the win in, in the first game. It's ninth of the year. Um, like I said, Gordon has really been consistent, which they're going to need for the po- the postseason. Tristan Stevens, you know, is, is kind of relishing his role back where he started his career out of the bullpen and it it is a bit of a crapshoot about who's you know the third game starter I guess that that matters less as you get into the postseason and you're just kind of throwing your best arm as frequently as you can (laughs) so you know I hope Pete has saved up some some innings and he and he and Gordon can just you know alternate most nights basically and then get a lot of uh good innings out of the bullpen and and I you know I don't think Tristan Stevens is out of the game plan but I do think uh, the switch you saw it in that first game, right? They they um, loaded the bases up in the seventh, and then he came in and and got two strikeouts out of the jam and and secured the opening win of the weekend, basically. But you know, I I think there's going to be some guys who who surprise us a little bit in, as we get into postseason baseball. But all in all, you know, the arms are where the they are where we, we've seen them the past couple of weeks. They're not you know maybe where we thought they were preseason, but if the bats can continue to get you know eight plus runs every night i think that's your goal right you're hoping can you score six or seven plus can you hold them under six or seven runs it's kind of the math (laughs) if you could do that you know they can win a lot of games because that offense really is just so potent and they can generate runs and batches with the home run ball lucas and pete and then pray for rain is really what we're going to go for the postseason (laughs) kyle just pitch those two Pray for a rain out and see if you can get the other one back in the rotation. No, I mean, for a group that I think has struggled to be as consistent as possible, and especially, again, from the mound, it's tough to see that Sunday go get squarely on them. But, uh, you know, Southard coming in and, and really closing things out in relief for Texas and shutting things down for them. Uh, and Aaron Nixon. It's maybe Aaron Nixon has finally found his mojo. Maybe Aaron got his groove back. I don't know, but he came in and and pitched two innings and got a save out of it. So like that, I really like Nixon is the one that I'm curious about because I think if if you know in those tight situations last year Nixon was nails and, and it mm. turned out to be really a difference maker for Texas in the postseason. And so I wonder if he's going to be able to to be that again. He hasn't been thus far, but his last couple of appearances, it's been okay. It's been something that we can depend on. But I think you know. The thing that I, I really want to see from Texas, not having to score 11 to win the game, right? Like, And that is, 11 is an excessive number. They would have to score 7 to win that game. But like that is not a sustainable model of baseball. Now, yes, they did score 31 runs on the weekend, um, but you're getting to the stage where you're not going to see any Kansases anymore. right? You're getting to the stage where you're not going to see that type of team anymore. And so being able to 
again, at least put up a modest number from the mound is something that I, I we still haven't seen and could be a bugaboo as Texas, again, goes to face potentially, as it's projected right now, again, uh, Monday, one of the hottest teams in the country at Texas A&M. Yeah, I think the, the Big 12 tournament will be interesting if they can get some sustained success. I'm, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope, you know, on a, a deep run here, winning eight of your last nine, and then if you can win three in a row, four in a row, you know, um, that that's really good. That that means you're you're the Big 12 champion, and that, that opens some other things. So we'll see. Um, it's a lot uphill battle. It's a lot to do still. Um, but, you know, it, just go play winning baseball, right? Uh, the, the thing that's interesting, talking about the home run ball, of course there was a, a pretty – Pretty big milestone that happened in this series, uh, Gerald, and and I think anyone who's even remotely affiliated with Texas baseball is aware Ivan Melendez hit his 28th home run on the season, tying Kyle Russell's record. So they have, you know, at the minimum, I guess, four more games, basically, if they get one in the tournament and three uh, in a regional, um, you know, so at worst, four more games uh, for him to get one home run to set that uh, that record, right? So the longer they go, the more, the, the, the more chance they uh, add to that. And some other interesting records, Gerald, um, <laughs> they, Texas had never had more than one player have 15. It's still in play for Faltini to get there, would be their third because Murphy Staley is already there. So this is already their first season with two 15 home run hitters. They could uh, conceivably have three by the time this thing's all done. And, and uh, if you go back and look at it, I think it was uh, I think it was Jeff Howe uh, or Danny Davis was, was talking about it. But basically, Texas, if you take Melendez out, I think they're like a handful, like three, maybe three home runs away with the rest of the team yeah. from the all-time home run record of 81 set in 2010. So just a really exceptional year. Um, and again, with some games still to play, they should very likely smash that. So so the rest of the team minus Melendez should break the home run record on their own, which is crazy. And this was a weekend where you saw that. You saw Melendez do his thing, just absolute monster home run uh, for his 28th but you also saw two different guys get grand slams Mitchell Daly loved to see him get going with three for five of the grand slam and a career high five RBIs in that opening Thursday game but then in in a, a crazy senior night they were able to actually you know get Sky Sky Messenger who came from Kansas had everything to play for right um, and gets the basically go ahead game winning effectively grand slam uh, in the seventh uh, for Texas to, to put that one out of out of place so so, you know, really nice to see other guys stepping up, really doing some things with their bat uh, this weekend. Because, again, Gerald, yeah, they don't shouldn't have to try to score 11 every night. But they also, if they're going to likely give up two or three or four every night and they're going to need to score five or six, let's not make it all on Melendez. Let's not make it all on Staley. <laughs> I really like to see some of these other guys kind of coming through. And, 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 again, not to say that there haven't been – Silas Arduin has had a, a good season in Fultini and, and Austin Todd homering in his last ever uh, potentially bad at the dish. We'll see, you know, if there are any home games left. But, you know, love that. Like just a lot of a lot of experience and talent, and that's why we had a lot of hopes for this team. Uh, I think 10 guys on senior night were honored. So a, a lot of – Players potentially just played their last game at the dish, depending how things shake out. So Texas finished the regular season leading the Big 12 in batting average, home runs, fielding percentage, and ERA. Now, a lot of that was floated by some early low numbers. But uh, per our friend Parker over at Stats O'War, uh, he does some baseball advanced stats. And, and Texas was 
third in opponent adjusted net runs per game, which is kind of his overall power ranking. And it's like Tennessee way out ahead of everybody else. And then Texas kind of right in the middle for that. Uh, it's like a muddy top 15, but Texas is in the mix there. And again, Texas has an opportunity to to right some of the wrongs of that midseason slump, and that starts Wednesday against Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas is the five seed in the Big Twelve tournament uh, based on you know wins and tiebreakers and all that. But Oklahoma State is a tough draw to open yeah. the tournament with. Absolutely brutal, a team that swept Texas a month ago, and a, a tougher draw as you're trying to you know have your your morning coffee kick in. They're playing at nine a.m. Gerald, so just a, a pretty brutal. Um, turnaround to, to get up there uh, in Arlington and kind of get from your hotel, get on the field and, and, and be ready to get your arms going, your bats going. Um, it will be, it'll be an interesting test, right? Like I imagine a lot of these guys, the last time they played at 9am was like travel ball, <laughs> double headers when they were in high school or something, yeah. you know, like you just, when do you play it at 9am? It's, it's, it's pretty rare. So I, it'll be really interesting to see. And again, Oklahoma state is a really, really good team. Like you're looking at, at any point in the season, they could have been two top 10 teams right there. And that's your number four and five. So interesting, interesting uh, start to what's going to be, I think, a, a tournament that has a lot of impact on the overall postseason. So now's the part of the show where we whip around all the other things going on on campus and we down the 40. So we started the show with some late night shenanigans, but we we'll start down the 40 with some even later night shenanigans number 16 softball upsets the washington huskies on their own diamond in the regional the first time that the huskies haven't advanced to the supers as the host school in the history of their softball program absolutely massive win for a team that we honestly weren't sure what they were going to be a few months ago uh, and now they're absolutely just killing it on the diamond and it's great to see well, we joked about it when they got this draw that there could be a blessing in disguise because they could avoid OU, which looks uh, like a good route uh, in life. But if they were the 16th seed and hosted, they would have then had to go take on the Sooners. This way, at least they uh, they get a little slight reprieve, if you will, um, out of this one. But yeah, I mean, th- this was no easy task beating uh, a really good Huskies team. It's, it's Coach White has been here three years, and he's gone to three Super Regionals. Also, I feel like there's a little bit of that Oregon duck in him, and, and also Iacopo and and uh, Lauren Burke, just that they wanted to beat the the rival Huskies. So uh, not a bad thing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was a, a gutsy regional. I think it was the first time since 1998 that Texas had won a regional on the road. So a really good showing this weekend and it doesn't get any easier from here. That's how these things work, but uh, a really great weekend uh, to get out of that, that, uh, that Washington regional. Yeah, it was a really great weekend for them. So they blanked Weber six, nothing. And then they actually came down and, and rallied to beat Washington. Uh, the game of the undefeated eight to two. And then the uh, early game was a doubleheader on Sunday. Texas uh, blew a one, nothing lead, lost two to one, but uh, nearly blew the lead again in the uh, second game. Texas goes up three, nothing. Thanks to a Janae Jefferson a solo home run if you're watching the game her dad in the uh, stands just a delight love that man uh, mr <laughs> jefferson be my friend uh but then she uh, almost let things slip away e4 ball kind of just squirts out of her glove runner reaches base and then they score two unearned but texas manages to close it out Haley dolcini 
the story of the weekend, I think, for Texas, uh, another win for her under her belt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, seven innings, no earned in this one because you just said those were both unearned runs. Um, it's interesting, right? I think when they won game one, there was a stat that uh, Texas, like 68% of their tournament wins had been by blanking the opponent. Um, you know, it, it really feels like postseason when Texas has good pitching, they go. So you, Dolcini, we said it was going to be um, was going to be a big deal, and she was. She threw three complete games this weekend, giving up uh, just four earned runs, striking out 15. I mean, this Texas team has some fight. This is their 15th come-behind win uh, in the season um, in uh, you know a rubber match where they had to come behind big uh, in the first game and then lost a, a heartbreaker in the second game. And then you see it starting to happen in the third game. I mean, it was uh, they showed some heart. And, again, it, it doesn't get easier, but it's it's an interesting road ahead. And, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, they're, they're hot at the right time and can make some things happen. It's going to be a tough road. They've got to head to Arkansas, taking on the Razorbacks, who are razor hot right now. They marched through that regional, absolutely. They just de- demolished Princeton, as one does, and then beat Oregon back-to-back, uh, 6-2 to two and then 9-3 to three to just march through that like the Terminator. Yeah, absolutely, and you'll see a familiar face for Longhorn softball fans, grad transfer Taylor Ellsworth, who is finishing up her career there, has had an absolutely scintillating senior season uh, for the Razorbacks, and uh, like some uh, players who transferred from the Pac-12 and got another crack at, uh, at Washington, I think, you know, she might want to but I want to put some runs up on Texas, so I hope hope the Texas pitching staff is ready. That's a good team, uh, really good team there. I think SEC champs as well. So no no easy task, but uh, the road to the ultimate glory goes from Washington through Fayetteville. Number 13, women's golf, makes the cut at the NCAA championship. Tied for 13th place, the top 15 advanced Texas shot a 37 over on the weekend that sounds terrible but when you take into account that only one team finished uh i guess not above par stanford was the top team in the country on the weekend and finished even they shot a five under on uh, sunday to uh make that even for the weekend yeah the course is tough and played especially tough uh that this you had players who would be you know, have one great round and be be top five in the standings, and then drop twenty places because you could you could have that that big of a uh, a next follow up round. So really, really tough. Um, not easy necessarily, but Texas still alive. In fact, they're the only Big Twelve school to make the cut. Baylor at plus forty two, um, Oklahoma State at plus forty three, and TCU at plus forty eight. So just a really, really tough tough round. Uh, tough scores, but. Uh, Texas fight they're still alive and uh, and and resilient I believe we will uh, this when this podcast comes out they will be fighting uh, for the next round in the quarters TCU playing like me on a uh, on just an even 18 that's really what that looks like uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six men's golf advances to the national championship uh, that's going to be taking place this weekend May 27th through June 1st that's extending the longest active streak in the country with their 15th consecutive trip to the NCAA championships 
Yeah, they were four under uh, two eighty four uh, to finish fourth in in the NCAA Norman Regional. Uh, Travis Vick was actually the team lead, paced the team, uh, played really incredibly all weekend. Ten under, he was one stroke behind the overall uh, leader, so he will try to carry that momentum with him. Uh, Pearson Cootie at one under, Parker Cootie at one over, so the Cooties again at an even wash. Uh, Mason Nome was even in every round, uh, three times even gets you to. Even. That's right. That's right. Uh, Mason, make no mistake about it. Um, he's nice. going to shoot even. Uh, thank you, Cole. Hammer at plus six, I feel, wants a redemption shot to uh, to get that going. Because, again, Cooties and Hammer, this will be uh, it for them uh, after long and storied careers on the 40 acres. So they'll, they'll have a chance in Scottsdale, Arizona next week to, uh, to go out and be Longhorn Legends golf, you know, Texas is a golf school. We are the center of the golf universe, apparently. So <laughs> no pressure, boys, no pressure. All right, Gerald, now let's take a look at the rest of the world through burnt orange lenses. Uh, softball uh, adjacent, not UT, but <laughs> UT's two biggest rivals played. And, you know, remember how big of a deal we said it was when, when UT beat OU and spoiled a perfect season potentially for them. I know you team is good. And uh, the Texas A&M fight Nagy's had the displeasure of playing them in the tournament. And they got to see just how, how good big 12 softball is. Um, <laughs> again, uh, the top of it is, is unreal. And OU beat the Aggies 20 to zero in the largest win in NCAA softball tournament history. They just, I think they were up like 14 to zero in the second inning, third inning. Like they just, it was as much as I watch, like enjoy watching that, it also was painful when I saw the the update. I didn't watch it, but I was I was checking stat updates after I saw that score, and I almost was like, "Can we can we call it just a run rule in the in the third inning, guys? Can we just can we just can we can we you know put them down gently?" Uh, but no, they they absolutely crushed the the Aggie spirit, which yeah, great. It it feels like they're taking out their frustration of not winning the conference championship on that entire like regional round because they beat prairie view 14 to nothing they got run ruled and then they beat a&m three to two narrow victory and if it almost felt like that sunday was like a you guys you guys thought you could you could hang with us <laughs> no not at all so tw- 20 runs in five innings kyle five innings they got run ruled um they scored nine in the first. Talk about yeah. demoralizing. I'm telling you, it, it felt it felt gratuitous that that went five whole innings. Like everyone knew, like after eleven pitches, everyone very much knew this one uh, was over. But anyways, it's, it's uh, Rocky Four throwing the damn towel. Like that's, that, that's what it felt like. That's exactly right, and we'll always, uh, you know, we'll, we'll always remember Texas. Spoiled OU's perfect season this year. Aggie helped them set uh, yet another record. Um, but let's keep it moving. Um, it, there's an interesting interesting matchup on the books. Uh, not all the schedule, of course, has been announced. Um, but for men's basketball, looking ahead to next season, uh, the Big 12 Big East is in their fourth and final year of their deal to play uh, intra-conference basketball. Uh, this year, Texas drew Creighton, who they will host uh, on December 1st. Uh, interesting part about this matchup, of course, is Kristen Bishop getting to play some buddies. Hopefully, it's a fun matchup for Texas because the the Big East challenge is always is always uh, a little dicey. Yeah, and Creighton is a, is admittedly a really good team. Um, like every year, they just seem to be a good top thirty ish team. So uh, it'll be 
a tough matchup for the Horns and keeping it on the hardwood uh, in, I guess, keeping it in Moody Center next year. Uh, joining the the Creighton Blue Jays in Moody will be a new player on the Texas team, uh, Sonia Morris, out of the Big East as well. Uh, a grad transfer, one of the best names in the portal, is joining. Coach Schaefer, and you know, you wanted shooting, you wanted defense, you wanted just a true scorer, and I pretty well can say that out of DePaul, Vic went ahead and got one. This is probably not the last transfer addition for either Texas basketball team, but adding somebody who is a scorer uh, in, in a, a legit two guard for that that roster is really going to be a big win for Schaefer. They're, they're hoping to increase the athleticism, and this feels like somebody that does that for them really well. Yeah, uh, Drysdale finals, which is the top shooting guard in the women's game um, each year. Last year, uh, as she's been all Big East. In fact, even when Charlie Collier was just dominating, actually Sonia Moore, if she were on the Horns teams the past three years, including the Collier years, would have been the leading scorer, uh, or at least, yeah, she would have been the leading scorer for each of the past three seasons. So getting just an absolute uh, score, 17.6 points per game, four rebounds, three assists, um, and again, just a, a really good knockdown three-point shooter as well, which is something that I think they were lacking. And with their style of play, if you have that dimension, uh, in addition to Vic Ball, I think it, it really opens the offense up. Now, a player who will not be opening the offense up for a different Texas team. Jordan Addison officially uh, chose to to um, end the farce and take all of the money I think he was always going to take uh, from USC when they tampered and, and offered it. To, I'm kidding. Who knows what actually happened? But uh, when he went to the portal from Pitt, he was a, a relative USC lock in the beginning. Then things got a little interesting. Texas seemed like the second kind of uh, likeliest candidate and uh, maybe the favorite at one point. Uh, but it does seem now that Addison will find his way out uh, to play for Lincoln Riley. Um, Texas, again, this this is uh, always great to have more, uh, but as we said on last week's pod, it's it's it would have been an embarrassment of riches. We're not going to turn it down, but I, I don't think this one kills them as much as some other positions. I put it in the, the BON roundtable this week, but adding guys like Nayor and Hall raised the floor for the wide receiver room significantly, and at the current state, like, Addison raises the ceiling. And so I think the like in offseason priorities, raising the floor of this group was way more important than raising the ceiling because mm. we saw what happened last year when the floor fell out of it when Whittington got hurt. And, you know, Marcus Washington, bless his heart, I love a willing blocker and the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Uh, but like <laughs> he was just he just wasn't consistent enough. And there's a reason why he, he decided to take his talents elsewhere. And so, again, would would I have been through the roof if they if Texas added Addison without a doubt? But again, that was a ceiling raise move at this point. And, you know, if he goes into the portal three months ago rather than, you know, in mm. he does it in February or, you know, March instead of May. Texas probably has him instead of Nayor or Hall, but right. this worked out. I think it's okay. Texas will be fine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely like that. Um, let's let's keep it moving. More than fine, Gerald. Texas track and field just continues to sweep, sweeping all of the Big 12 awards, both performer and coach. Um, on the women's side, Julian Alfred was named the Big 12 Women's Performer of the Year after just an unbelievable outdoor season. Um, some of the marks, again, we talked about these in previous podcasts, but just to, to recap it for you, um, leaving the best last at the conference meet, she ran the third fastest time in NCAA history in the 100 meters at 10.81, uh, breaking a 31-year-old Texas. 
Alexis record, um, and uh, she was the opening leg of the NCAA leading 4x1 relay, which set the fifth fastest time in college history. So she has run uh, two different races that were basically, you know, some of the fastest that a college person has ever uh, ever done. So you just you love to see it. And then again, Texas a sprinting school, you see Micaiah Harris also winning uh, on the men's side. It's it's really incredible and, and super proud of both of them. Texas has been the class of the track and field world all year on both sides. And so this just kind of uh, – this checks out. You know, Harris swept the Big 12, 100, 200, and was the second men's high point scorer for Texas. So that's like an absolute dream for him. Coach Flo, again, um, turning out to be one of these really good – Chris Del Conte hires, and I think Texas will continue to see dividends from Floreal's uh, time in, in Burn Orange. And awards were not limited to the track. They also found their way to the water. No, we're talk- not talking swimming here. The other water. Uh, we had uh, a sweep across the Big 12 um, with rowing senior Fran Raggy basically winning the Big 12 Rower of the Year Award against the other people in her boat. Um, so the, the, the best of the boat, uh, also I guess the best of the conference. Grace Holland was the Big 12 newcomer and head coach Dave O'Neill, the Big 12 coach of the year. Nice to have the number one seed at the NCAA championships here uh, this weekend. And hopefully, hopefully this uh, earns Texas some points in the uh, director's cup should, uh, should re- check out. That's right. We have a couple national championships or, or national postseasons going on this week. So big week after a big weekend, uh, a big week coming up uh, for the horns uh gerald let's uh beyond all of this championship uh competition for the longhorns what have you or are you will will you be watching on your giant screen let's go little godzilla tron so i am like like i said off the top traveling this week so things are a bit weird this last weekend uh for family night pizza night movie night as my son has dubbed it uh we (laughs) watched the chippendale rescue rangers like reboot not necessarily a reboot but it's it's a it's a thing and that movie is absolutely like a thousand times better than it has any right to be uh and it's uh, john mulaney and andy samberg are chip and dale and they just absolutely kill it and it's honestly and I'll, i i don't say this lightly i think i liked it more than my kid like it was love hilar- it. it was funny it was witty uh, obviously the kids like it and it was very slapsticky and kid but like i enjoyed it the, it was very smartly written and it did the same thing that like the sonic the hedgehog movies did where you get these really funny people as the voice actors and then you give them some really good stuff to work with right like let andy samberg and john mulaney be funny and that was that really worked well and it's why the sonic movies work well because you have um ben schwartz as the voice and he just gets the ben schwartz like letting andy samberg and john mulaney be andy samberg and john mulaney is never a bad decision and it worked out and so funny family movie uh, if you're like a 90s kid like like kyle and i are and you like watch those disney shows you'll absolutely love it so we we had a blast watching it have you let your kids watch it It was a really really good time shout out to my boy phil navoa uh congrats he's got a, a new a new child but uh shout out to him generally because uh phil and i i think my junior year sophomore year maybe of college once went to a halloween party dressed as either chip or dale the rescue rangers um pretty pretty elite uh bro uh halloween costuming uh to go there so uh probably could dig that picture up but there's no need to do that gerald uh have you heard of it feels right up our alley knowing you knowing my own taste have you heard of we own the city 
I have, and it's one that I need to fo- like. It's a, like I need to sit down and watch it. It's one that I want to pay attention to. It is for sure that. Um, so it, for the folks at home, it's actually it's actually a relatively good time to try to catch up. Um, there, it's a six part mini series, um, and uh, it's written by George Pelicanos and David Simon, the the writers and creator of The Wire, um, and it stems from. I mean. HBO knows what works, right? Go to the well. Uh, a Baltimore Sun investigative, uh, like, article, book, I think book, article that, that went into a book um, called We Own This City uh, by Justin Fenton. Um, and then Simon and Pelicanos took it to the screen. And it, and it continues, like, it is a spiritual successor to The Wire. It doesn't have the same characters, but it's set in Baltimore a few years later. Updated technology. Um, but it is also <laughs> a, a crime um, story. But it, it it's just... It's a tough watch because it is about shady cops and police. And it's based on a true story, police brutality. And these, um, again, it it doesn't, where The Wire gives you four seasons of really diving uh, deep in, and actually five, I'll I'll admit, but four really (laughs) heavily diving in on the police force and the why people do what they do and why it's hard and the systemic issues. And that's what makes it genius. I guess you could watch this show standalone and still really appreciate and enjoy it and be shocked and outraged by this wild story. I think... Part, episode five comes out uh, this week, and then six will be next week will be the finale. So I'm through four. Um, but um, you can watch it and enjoy it without that. But if you have that kind of touchstone to go back to, it gives it another layer because you understand already the levels of just scrutiny, corruption, intense. It's it's immediately post-Freddie Gray Baltimore as well. And just kind of how something like viral police cases um, affect the actual police on the force and the people who are out trying to reform. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting. It's an interesting look. You've, you know, it's going to be quality from those two, from Pelicanos and Simon. Um, the, the One of the more interesting, and it's very good. I would recommend it very, very highly. Again, if you like The Wire, you have to do it. You have to watch it. I know Gerald and I both like it. Um, but one of the one of the more interesting um, parts of it is the casting, right? And so there, it's not, they didn't try. I don't know that anyone is contiguous. Like there's no, oh, there is so-and-so in his same room role but there are some people who are in both who are cast in both um obviously the the most prominent is jamie hector who now plays a murder detective and before played marlo stan uh field so he he went from kind of the guy on the streets to the guy investigating the streets um there's a couple more um one of the like three little corner boys who were there early with Michael B. Jordan, Trey Cheney, who's uh, now bald. Uh, Dookie is now a grown man oh, no. uh, in it, oh, no. and he plays a cop. It's actually like I didn't realize it was him. It's very My startling to see him staring at me in the face. He grew the heck up. Um, so there's not a ton, but there are a few. Like I almost feel like they're Easter egg sprinkled in there. But some really really good actors uh, all throughout. Uh, I think the casting was great, and it. Just, you know, there's some people you're meant to hate and you do some people you're meant to like and you do. Um, I don't think it, again, is as good as The Wire because it doesn't have the time to go as deep, but it is really good. And, and if, if you like it, it's just a little lanyap on top. Uh, and I would recommend it to everyone because it's it's just a great like crime show. And it's only six episodes, so it's um, it's it's not too, too big of a uh, of a commitment. I was not ready to find out that Poot was like 35 years old or whatever. That, <laughs> that hit me square in the chest. But that was a part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I think our fans would be upset at us if I if I didn't 
start here and and this is the rare bang the drum no it's not rare i always want to hear what you say but where i hope to hear both sides and i think we're gonna have the exact same opinion on this side but i I think the most entertaining thing in sports in media uh in the world uh this past week happened to center around college football um you're probably already nodding your head if you know what i'm talking about um Nothing to do with on-the-field performance, but had to do with um, bickering millionaires um, who are used to uh, ironclad control over their minions and no one having any say in the way that they do things, nor uh, the kind of code of omerta, of silence, of no one uh, telling the dirty truth about how people conduct their business. Uh, And of course, I'm talking about Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Um, Jimbo, besides sounding ridiculous, actually was ridiculous. But let me take a step back in case you're not familiar. So Nick Saban was giving his hundred days to football press conference, uh, or hundred maybe maybe it was a uh, hundred days to something else. But he was giving a press conference in, in Birmingham. I think it was the World Games uh, in Birmingham. And of course, if you're in the state of Alabama, people are going to ask you about college football because you're Nick Saban, and that's what you're going to talk about. And it was a footnote in one of the many things that he talked about. He also, for the record, called out Deion Sanders um, and took a shot at him, um, which has been responded to a bit more hilariously, I would say, on Deion's part. Um, but uh, a footnote to it was he mentioned, it was in no way the, the thesis of his statement, but media took it and ran with it that Texas A&M beat them in recruiting and they bought every one of their players. Uh, now, I guess a, a pretty controversial thing for a coach to say, I think every fan in the country, including Aggie fans, have acknowledged that already. I think that's been said. Um, but it, it, like in, in true uh, soap opera uh, scheduling, Nick said this and then uh, it came out and Jimbo had a press conference the next morning and it had reached a fever pitch. And so Jimbo came in just guns blazing looking absolutely unhinged having a meltdown conniptions about you know what Saban did calling him you know god uh calling it yeah disgraceful just using just this most ridiculous like remember guys this is the off the field part of college football a children's game um that these men are paid millions of dollars to do but just seemed absolutely and and, and honestly it's the most perfect response because every aggie i knew loved it it was the most aggie response blowing things out of proportion being so self-absorbed self-interested defensive of their own merits uh and it was he aggied the heck out of it like just went full aggie and and melted down and blew up and went nuts at uh saban in this press conference um and saban Saban, you know, we're all watching with popcorn. Saban then had an evening press conference. I was hoping he would have just, you know, kept the wrestling heel promos go, but he <laughs> he did tamp it down a bit. But I mean, Gerald, like, if there was something more entertaining than this, it may have been, and I'm not meaning to uh, askew a particular political party, but the fact that a political operative booked the wrong Four Seasons and instead of booking a hotel, booked a landscaping company. Like, if there's a more like that, those might these might be my two most hilarious like media kerfluffles uh, of the past couple years. I just I thought this was almost unbeatable. I loved every minute of it. It was hard to get work done. Gerald, where were you? Where do you come down on Jimbo v. Saban? So, 
I laughed so hard at this that my wife like was like, hey, I know you're not working, so tell me what you're laughing about right now. It sounds like you're having the time of your life. No, you, you said it really well. Uh, Jimbo is doing an incredible job of playing to his base because uh, he went in and complained about something that was like a, a tiny slight in – he what he feels is a major slight in – was a footnote in what Sablin was really trying to say of like NIL is getting out of control. And if the NCAA doesn't do something about it, then I'm going to do it better than all of you and erase what all the gains you've made. Uh, and that's really like what Saban was saying in his. And so, you know, Jimbo comes up there and complains about all these things. Wearing a $200,000 watch, six figure watch. He's up there wearing, um, talking about this asinine stuff that he does and saying somebody should have slapped him, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, right? The defensive butthurtness that is coming <laughs> out of College Station, like, this is the most, like, broke boy, new money, we feel imposter syndrome reaction from everybody across the board that I have ever seen in my entire adult life. Like, A&M beat them on the field and then beat them at their own dirty recruiting game. So instead of being defensive about it, call them jealous broke boys and move on. Like, that's what you should do. It is new money, defensive, imposter syndrome crap that they're dealing with right now. And that's what it is. Like, if Texas beats Alabama next year and then money whips them on the recruiting trail, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be petty and annoying. That's what I'm going to do. I don't care what Saban says because you know what? Hold that L twice. Like, that's how I legitimately feel. <laughs> I'm with you, Gerald. I'll give you my, 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 to close out on this, I'll give you my favorite piece of, uh, there was a graphic floating around on, on Twitter cap recapping Jimbo Fisher. And it said he referred to Nick Saban as, and it was a chart multi, how number of times a narcissist once despicable six times, God two times. And then the kicker on the infographic said in the first three minutes of press conference, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yes, we know Jimbo Fisher talked like this, and he can get way more words in a, a, a minute than than the average human being who is not a professional auctioneer. Um, that's part of his like smart me. Oh my god, man, I might be five five feet tall now, and I'm the only one. But I'm, I'm real good. You know, you don't know exactly what he's saying, and 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 I think that's part of it because if you actually listen to what Jimbo said, he's an idiot. Um, but I mean, a very rich one. But um, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, even still, even at the words per minute rate that he could spew, that is, uh, it's a chef's kiss. Like, again, to get a narcissist six desp despicables and twice refer to him as God uh, in three minutes is just, I, I don't know if if Aggie, if an Aggie has Aggied harder um, in, in the 2020s. Like, I, I think he is setting the new Aggie standard. And honestly, Jimbo... Work your magic, man. You're ultimately just going to, like, the, the long and short of this, you're going to somehow get more money because of this. This is this is what it ultimately rolls out to. You're going to be richer. Um, so good for you. Good for you, Jimbo. He bought himself another year of eight and four with all the things that A&M has at their disposal. I'm going to quickly bang the drum this week because Kyle and I banged it a little bit there. Is Steve Sarkeesian also said some things at donor events. Um, and when he was asked about the 11 a.m. kickoff against Alabama, the Texas fans were all in a tizzy, and I understand it. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. It's going to be like a trillion degrees in, in that stadium. But Sark said, um, I don't give a poop emoji he did not say that but that's what we're gonna go with. i don't give a poop emoji <laughs> what time it is y'all just show up and like yes do i want it to do i want this game to be the 7 p.m game it would be great for it to be a prime time game but 
one, college football has always been like a mornings and afternoons thing. Like ESPN is really the one that's been behind all of these primetime games the last couple of decades. But like, just show up. Like I, the players are going to show up and play and let's just show up and cheer and, you know, support and do whatever you can. Send all your positive vibes. If you're somebody that's watching it uh, from home, just show up, do what you do. It's going to be a big game. Hopefully Texas can stay in it and it'll be a good time. Yeah, I just, you know, I believe there was a famous coach who said show up uh, early, um, be loud, wear orange, stay late. Might be hard to show up too early for this, uh, but do it. Get there, you know, get there. It's a big one. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. I kind of like that, that Sark basically got to the Houston part of his tour and just <laughs> leaned in and, like, he was real Houston. Like, he was just firing off heaters uh, at this press conference and didn't – seemed to care felt a little more comfortable a little more a little more spice to him um i, I don't know if that's I, I like it whatever it is i like that version of sark he kind of made coy remarks that if you if you are willing to um you know as gerald and i are read between the lines and sift through the grains of sta- sand comments that may bode well for the the arch manning recruitment i, I don't know but just he kind of he, he seemed like a little more tongue-in-cheek a little more uh a little more shoulders laid back a little spicier like felt like he's the coach of texas and these are the texas fans and so he doesn't you know I, and i want that from sark i don't want him to feel so on edge go out be comfortable do your thing do the sark thing put up 50 points a game win football games and and now add little little, little spicy zingers in there i'm loving it this is i'm ready for sark uh, if this is 2.0 or 3.0, whatever version we're on, I'm ready for it. 6.0. I don't care. Sark, show up. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook him. Hook him. 96 days till football.